Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Awesome. Did the worship team kill it today or what? That's a good thing, by the way. Killing it is a good thing now. Okay. Um, I want to preach to you this morning. I've been doing a series uh, called Pursuit, and Pastor Josh, did he do awesome last week? Was that an amazing word? So he's given me a lot to live up to, but I'm going to preach a uh, standalone message. It's not part of that series, but this is something God has been laying on my heart uh, this week, and I want to share it with you. And the title of my message is The Power of Nothing. The Power of Nothing. And so I want to read a few verses. Uh, We're going to read from Mark chapter 6, verse 34 to 44. So if you haven't done your Bible reading uh, yet this morning, we're about to get some done. Is that all right? All right, let's read here. It says in verse 34, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed him to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Amen. I want to read one more verse. Jen, could you bring me my bread in that jar? Both those things. Um, From Psalm chapter 139, verse 16. It says here, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Amen. Do you know God's eyes were on you before you were formed? Before you were formed, God says he saw you. He saw you in your unformed state. He knew you before you were born. How many have kids? Okay, quite a few of you. Good. Then like me, you know there's something you learn uh, once your kids are about the age of a toddler and they can start getting into things and getting into trouble that, that a lot of times you'll, you'll be watching your kids but also doing something else and you'll hear, you'll hear an awkward silence from the other room. You ever hear that? And when you hear nothing, do you know what that means? That means they're up to something. <laughs> the nothing means something. And I've, I learned that very quickly having kids that, that when I don't hear anything, it means trouble. And, and dads, you know this. We watch kids a little different sometimes than, than moms. Moms are very hands-on in the room with the kids. When dad's watching the kids, he's sitting on the couch and just listening. And if he hears something weird in the other room, he just shouts, you better not be getting in that toilet. And you know, whatever, whatever they're doing, he just, he's hands-off. But he, you know as a parent, if I hear nothing, they're up to something. Or another example is maybe you have a teenager or a preteen who acts like a teenager, and, and sometimes they, you ask them something and uh, you don't get an answer, but you hear them mutter something under their breath. I never did that as a kid. I was an angel. I was, I'm just kidding. But then you ask them, hey, what'd you say? Did you say something? Nope. Nothing. 
No, how many of you know if you, they say nothing, that means they said something, but you ain't going to find out what that something is. And I've learned through having kids that nothing actually means something. And I love that, that we serve a God who can take nothing and turn it into something. I'm a, I'm a testimony of that. My life is a testimony of that, that God can take nothing and turn it into something you know, in Genesis, we see the earth, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God hovered above the waters, because God can make something out of nothing. He used this to do something. And in the same way, your life was formless and void at some point, and the Holy Spirit had to come and hover over your life, right? Do you remember that day um, when the Holy Spirit had to come and speak order into the chaos of your life? But even beyond that, before you were even born, before you were even a thought in your parents' mind, uh, it didn't start when you were born. God created in the beginning from his word. He began to speak and things came into existence. He said, let there be light and there was light. He said all these things and everything he was just creating with his word. Let there, let there be animals on the ground. Let there be fish in the sea. And he started creating with his word. But something changed on the sixth day. On the sixth day, it doesn't say he spoke. It says something different on the sixth day. His mouth didn't even open. In fact, he reached down and just grabbed some dirt. And out of that dirt, is this is not, this, I don't know, of all the verses in the Bible, this verse does not bless me. I don't know about you, but we serve a God who creates, who paves streets with gold, but created us out of dirt. I don't know about you, but that doesn't bless me. In fact, that keeps me from being saved and stuck up because I got to always remind myself I'm just a dirt bag, okay? I can put, you can put on your skinny jeans and your makeup and get your hair did and everything, but you're still just a dirt bag, okay? Are you blessed this morning? But it's just evidence that God can take nothing and make something out of it. He took dirt and made his greatest creation out of dirt. Do you know that, that you're the only thing that God created that he says that he created in his own image? That you are his masterpiece, that he created something amazing out of dirt. And, and I know I've heard stories that are a pretty funny story about a scientist today. You know, they say, well, we could do that. That's no big deal. We don't need God to create people out of dirt. And so they had a conversation, and this is obviously a fictional story, but they said to God, that's no big deal. We could create people out of dirt. And, and so God says, okay. Let's see you do it. And, and so they reached down and they picked up some dirt and then God said, whoa, whoa, get your own dirt, okay? Don't use my dirt. But God can take something or make nothing and turn it into something. He reached down and took his hands and he took formless dirt and he formed man. You know, the thing about forming something is you first have to have a picture of it in your mind before you can actually form it with your hands. So before God ever formed us with his hands, he already had a picture of who you would be and what you'd be like in his mind. He already has a picture of what you were created to become in his mind. Well, we see nothing. He took nothing and made it something. Jeremiah had this revelation. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I formed you because I knew you, and then I set you apart and appointed you to the nations. He says, the first thing he says is, I knew you. This isn't present tense. This isn't future tense. This is saying in the past, meaning you were on your God's, you were on God's mind before you were in your mother's womb. Before you were even a seed, you were already on God's mind. 
And then he goes on and, and he says, I knew what you would be, so I set you apart. How come we spend so much time in our lives trying to fit in? to what other people want us to be. Do you know that you were not created to fit in? You are not a carbon copy. You are not supposed to be anything else besides who you are. God created us to stand apart, but we spent our whole lives trying to think, man, I just wish I was more like that. I wish I was that. God's created you to be set apart. We got to own it and stop trying to fit in with people. And God says, you are different for a purpose. Don't look in the mirror and wish you looked like them or acted like them or talked like them or had the gifts they have. I created you an original. And then... He goes on to say, I'm appointing you. I'm appointing you. This morning, I want you to think about a seed. Okay, a seed is important. A seed has instructions inside of it already to become what it's supposed to become. If you walked into the store this morning and you saw in the, in the fruit section, you saw some watermelon cut up and, and on ice, you know what would happen? Some of you who like watermelon, your mouth would just start to water just seeing that watermelon. Like, ooh, I need to get some of that. But if, if you walked in in the same grocery store and all you saw on ice was some black watermelon seeds, you know your mouth wouldn't water, right? You'd be like, ah, that's, that's, you know, doesn't, you don't even think twice about it. You're not compelled to buy any watermelon because you only see the seed, but you don't see the fruit of what comes from it. And everything that's in that seed will actually make it become watermelon, but we don't see what it could be, so we don't, we don't see any value in it in the moment. But your life, you are a seed. Do you know that? And if you're seeing just the seed and you aren't seeing the fruit, you can just look at it and think that there's no fullness that this is going to come to. There's nothing great about this. But this is just the beginning. This is not the fruit that's supposed to come from this. And when you look at your own life, you got to realize that, that inside the seed is the instruction for the watermelon to come to pass. But you can't neglect the seed. You can't think the seed isn't, isn't important. If I take an orange with all the orange seed, with all the instructions inside of it, and I plant it in Florida, you know what happens? I don't even have to worry about it. I know that it will grow to become what it's made to become because I'm in Florida. But if I take that same seed and I go to Idaho and I plant it in Idaho, how, do you, how many of you know that it's probably not going to become all that it was created to be because it's planted in the wrong environment? Let me. I hope you know where I'm going with this. But before I go on, how many of you know that you came into this world as a seed. You came into this world as a seed. Do you catch my drift? Do I need to tell you about the race again? Does anyone need to hear about the race? How old are you, Bruce? 28 years ago and nine months, Bruce and two million of his closest friends, they lined up for a race. And Bruce, I need, I need you to know, Bruce, that when that gun fired, you took off as fast as you could, and you won that race. Can we give it up for Bruce? He won the race. But, but you know what, Bruce? You, you, you were a seed, and you became a fertilized seed. But if, if that seed is not planted in the right environment, just like a watermelon seed or an orange seed, it will not become everything that it's supposed to become. And so it's important that we understand that the, the instruction for us to become everything that we are called to be is already inside of us. But if we're planted in the wrong environment, the purpose of God may not have come to pass in your life yet. 
That's why it's important. It matters who you hang out with. It matters who you're in relationship with. It matters if you get involved in a community like a community group or if you go to church, you don't stay planted, you're not going to grow. Some people uproot themselves every six months and wonder, why am I not growing? you got to get planted and say that I'm going to come to fulfill everything that God has for me because the information is in the seed and I'm going to stay planted in the right place. i got to stay planted. I wrote that God forms, sin deforms, but Jesus came to transform. He wants to take your seed and make it become everything that it's created to be. Even if you've slipped up and made mistakes and sin feels like it's stolen away, you're calling in your destiny, it has not. Jesus has the desire and the ability to transform your life into everything that you were created to be. See, God formed you like a potter. Jeremiah got this revelation in Jeremiah 18 that you were like a pot, that he, God is a potter and you're like the clay. And if you were to watch somebody um, form clay, you might wonder at some point during the process, what is he doing? Why is he bending it that way? And in the moment, you don't see it, but after you go back a couple hours later, you see the final product and it makes sense. You go, oh, I, now I see the picture that the potter had in his head the whole time, but in the process, I didn't get it. And some of you, when temptation started coming along and sin became a part of your life and you started messing up the way I did, you started to take on other identities than that God created you to have. Other hands that don't have a picture of your destiny began to form and mold your life. And they didn't see what God saw in your destiny. But I put my life, I did, I put my life in the hands of other broken people. I put my life in the hands of liars and manipulators, and they began to form my life. And I became something that God never intended for me to be because I allowed my identity to be formed by the wrong people. you got to quit putting your life in the wrong hands. I heard a statistic this week that, that just spoke to the fatherless society that we live in. And, and you got to know that a lot of your identity as a child comes from your father. It's important. And, and I know a lot of moms who fill in that gap, and they're amazing, and God bless them. But a father's role is important in a child's life. And, and actually, I heard the statistic that 26 of the 27 recent school shooters in this country grew up in fatherless homes. And you know, their identity was formed by something else other than their father. And sometimes in the same way, our identity begets formed by other people than our father in heaven. You got to be careful who you allow to begin to form your marriage. You got to stop putting it in the hands of people who have no picture of the destiny for it. Quit getting marriage advice from people who've been divorced five times, okay? Get, go to somebody who can give you godly advice. Go to the Word of God and say, you know what? I'm going to allow God to start to form the, my, the picture of my marriage because he has a picture of it. I'm going to allow God to start forming my choices instead of people around me swaying me and pressuring me to do things that I'm not, I shouldn't be doing. I'm, I'm going to stop looking for affirmation in people and take it to God because those people can never give me what I need from it anyways, and I'm going to allow God to begin to form me and mold me. I'm going to stop letting people form how much I feel like I'm valued, and I'm going to take it to God. You know why? Because they don't see my value because they didn't put it in me anyways. Only God can see it. He's the one with a picture of it in his mind, and I can't take it to other people and expect them to see it the way God sees it. Have you ever seen one of these shaving cream bottles that the bottom screws off and you can hide valuables in it? Anybody seen one of these? You know why they do that? 
is because from the outside, to somebody who's breaking into your house, why in the world would I want a Barbasol, okay? Why would I want this shaving cream? But to you, you know what's inside of it. You know why? Because you're the one who put it there. And so you see the value in it. When everyone else walks by and sees no value in it, and it's the same way with God, he sees the value in you when nobody else can see it, and they might walk by and say, there's nothing special about that girl. There's nothing special about that guy. But my God put it inside of you and says, there's something in there, and it's a seed. And if you begin to plant it in the right place, I'll begin to show you who you are and who you were created to be. But it's a seed. And if I asked you, hey, who wants this dirt? I, I, think, I thought about this question beforehand. I know there's going to be some of you girls who are going to say, ooh, I want that. I saw a really cute project on Pinterest with a mason jar, and, but I'm not talking about that. Not, there's nothing in here that you see but dirt. But if, I, but if I know that I actually put something in there and if I can actually reach it, I don't know if I can. Figures. This is backfiring. Oh, who's cleaning this up? I am, that's right. Buried it too deep. But you didn't know this was in here. It's a dollar bill. I'm broke. I'm in ministry. But but you did not know that was in there. You know why? Because you didn't put it in there. I put it in there, and so I knew the value inside of it. And some, you got to realize that you are leaning on people to tell you something that only God can give you because he put it in there. No one can tell you your identity other than the one who put you together and had a picture of who you were called to be in your mind. Stop letting other people do what only Jesus Christ can do. He put it in you, and he can tell you what it is and who you were created to be. I began in my life to ask God, who am I? Like, why? Why did you saved me. And, and I realized something. I was saved. But I wasn't fulfilled. And, and I realized in, in that season of my life, I was saved not to sit. I was saved to serve. And, and I think a lot of times we get caught up in thinking about what God has saved us from. And we have powerful testimony service, and, and that's awesome. I love to hear what God has saved us from because he saved me from some things. I'll tell you what. But I also realized that God did not just save me from. He saved me for. He saved me for something. And you know what I realized? He saved me for others, and it wasn't just about me. Can you look at your neighbor and tell him, it's not about me? It's not about me. You see, in that season of my life, I said one sentence, people. You're still talking. I'm just kidding. But I realized in that season of my life, I knew the what that God saved me from, but I didn't know the why of why he saved me. And I think a lot of Christians are stuck in the what, not realizing the why. And, and I know he, did, he didn't save you just because you were lost. He didn't save you because you were addicted. He knew you were addicted, and he saved you from that. And he, but he didn't save you because you were hopeless. He didn't save you because you were lonely. He didn't save you because you were stuck in sin. He allowed you to go through those things so that you would see that those sins actually lead to nothing but emptiness. But he actually saved you because other people need what he put in you. But so often we just get so caught up in what God saved me from that I don't realize there's something in me that other people around me need. He saved me for something, not just from something. And he chased after us because we took on a different identity than he created us for. You know what? God wants to get his hands back on your life this morning. 
He wants to be able to begin to mold you and show you who you were created to be. And if you allow yourself to be pliable in his hands, you will become everything that God created for your life. And you've been wondering why there's emptiness and brokenness and you felt lost and like you were getting nowhere and going in circles and going through the same thing over and over and you felt stuck this morning. I want you to know that you can get yourself in the hands of the potter and in the hands of God and allow him to begin to make you pliable and bend you into who he created you to be, and you'll find fulfillment in that. There's fulfillment in the hands of God. But we often say, I have nothing, God. What can I give for you to use? I've got nothing. That's why I love this story from Mark chapter 6, is we see the disciples, and they go in, and they find that they're ministering to all these people, and it's becoming late, and they start to walk back to the village, and these people are hungry. And if you know anything about the cycle of ministry in Jesus, you see a lot of times him and his disciples would go to the town and they'd get supplies, the village, and then they'd go out to the desert and minister. And then they'd go back to the village. And then they'd go out to the seaside and they'd minister. And then they'd go back to the village. You know why? Because they'd go out and do ministry, but then they'd have to come back to the village to go to Costco and get some supplies, you know? I don't know if you know this, but Costco samples are manna from heaven. If you go to Costco, it's all about the samples. But... They would go and they'd do this. And this, this story it tells us that the disciples did all of this for Jesus. And at the end, they had 12 basketfuls left over. And I started to think about the fact that there was 12 basketfuls. And I wonder if this was not the 12 baskets that the disciples had, that they would go to the village and fill up when they went out for ministry. So there's 12 disciples and there's 12 baskets. Each disciple had a basket and they're walking back to the village to get more rations from Costco and, the, and all these hungry people were there and, and Jesus does something interesting. He says, why don't you feed them? And in the words of Gary Coleman, I just picture them saying, what you talking about, Jesus? What in the world? Look at these baskets, Jesus, and we have nothing. We have nothing to feed them. And Jesus, didn't he know that they had nothing? If he knew, why would he ask them to feed the people? You see, whenever Jesus begins to appear to act ignorantly in Scripture, he's usually trying to give a revelation of who he is. And so he's trying to show us something here, and he asks this question, why don't you feed them? And the disciples, they, they don't have anything to offer. You know, Jesus, I want to do something for you, but I got nothing. I don't have anything to offer for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, you have something. Go see what you have. So the disciples, they go and they find this little boy and, and they steal his lunch and they bring it back to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, we've got two fish and five loaves. Two fish and five loaves. That's it, Jesus. That's all we got. And Jesus, he takes this, this two fish and this five loaves and it's white bread. I'm, I'm cheap. It's an illustration. Um, and he takes it and he lifts it up and it says he blesses it and he breaks it. He breaks it apart, and, and then he takes, takes it to the disciples, and he says, all right, here you go. Now go and give it. Give it? Yeah, feed them. Here you go, Peter. Here you go, Peter. And God is, is, is telling them something here. He's telling them, don't worry about your nothing when I'm trying to give you something, because eventually I want to give you everything. And, and God, in this moment, is trying to show them something. Go give it. Go feed them. And so they, they have these people. They're seated in fifties and hundreds. 
And he says, all right, go sit down in groups. You know people get fed in groups. You know that, right? Community groups. Every other Wednesday, we're feeding people. Um, but anyways, shameless plug. But, uh, but they, they sit these people down, and it says there's 5,000 men. And in that day, you need to know they... <clears throat> They didn't count women and children in that day, but there was no TV, so there was a lot of kids, okay? And so in the, there was probably twenty to 30,000 people. And they sat him down in groups, and he says, all right, Peter, now here's, here's what you got. Go feed that group over there. And I just picture Peter going up like, all right, guys, um, I'm sorry, but this is all I have to give you, so here. You're going to have to take microbites, okay? Can you just take, like little bites, and then I pick, and then he runs out, and, and he goes back, and Jesus says, all right, now go feed that group over there, Peter. Peter's like, Jesus, I can't. I, I have nothing left, and, and I just picture Jesus saying, well, open your hand, and, and there was more. And then he'd go over to the next group, and, and, and this miracle started to take place, and they probably started to ask Jesus, Jesus, what's happening? What's going on here? What, how, what is happening? And then Jesus tells them, just go and feed these people. Because Jesus is teaching them not to allow your nothing to stop you from something when all God wants to do is give you everything. But he does. And we, we do this thing where we stop ourselves. We say things like, I can't. Where do you see that in the Bible? God, I, do, I just don't have time. That's okay because I'm the author of time. I hold time in my hands. God, I'm just too busy. That actually probably stands for being under Satan's yoke. But, God, I, I just I don't make enough to give. But if you give what you got, how many of you know just like that bread, God always supplies you with more? Um, they fed everybody. And the, the scripture says they, they came back with these fully filled baskets, 12 baskets full. Because they acted in faith, they came back with baskets that were full. They acted in faith and their baskets were full, faith full. How many know if you live a life of faith, you will always find your baskets full? If you step out and act in faith, you will always find your baskets fully filled. Fully filled. Full filled. You want to find a fulfilled life? Start to give everything that you do have to Jesus. Out of your nothing, watch God fill your baskets with something. You've been trying to find and be fulfilled on your own and saying, I got to keep all this. I got to do all this. I got to have enough time and, and I got to organize all this. Instead of saying, Jesus, I'm going to give you everything and see what you can do with it and find yourself fulfilled. When they gave what they had, Jesus filled their baskets. I got nothing to offer. You know you were fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that. It says that he knows the power of the seed he has in you. And in Ephesians chapter 2, it says you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared beforehand that you might walk in them. That means he has a destiny for your life. He already knows what you were created to do. And you are his workmanship. He's molding you. So Jesus, he I love this picture of him picking up the bread and lifting it up to heaven and blessing it and breaking it and saying, God, this is your servant. And breaking it into pieces. And, and I felt like that times in my life, he blessed it and he broke it. But how many of you know God uses broken pieces to make masterpieces? 
You are a masterpiece, and I know you see yourself as broken, but one day I became marred in the hands of the potter, and I, and I began to be formed. My identity began to be formed by other people and other things, and I found myself broken into pieces, but the, as soon as I submitted myself into the hands of the potter, once again, he began to take broken pieces, and you know what you have to do to make hard pieces pliable again? You just add water. Can I tell you in the scripture, Jesus Christ says, I am the living water, and anyone who comes to me will never thirst again. If you submit your hands into the living water, into the hands of Jesus, you become pliable, and he can make you what you were originally intended for you to be. But every broken piece in your life is not turning God away. He's saying, I take broken pieces, and I make masterpieces. Your life is a mosaic. And I've heard it preached before that, that every broken and cracked place in your life, when the light of Christ begins to shine through your life, it's just more light coming out of every crack and broken place in your life just to bring more glory to God. I'm a mosaic transformed to be put back together to be a blessing for the future. And many of you sit here today, and I know that you, you're here at church, and most of you, you probably have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you, if you don't, that's great. We love you, and this is, this is a home for you. We don't, this isn't a place we believe that you have to become before you belong. We believe that you're part of our family. But before you, you don't need to act like me or look like me or believe like me. I love you anyways, and we're glad you're here in this place. It's a home, home for you. But, but we, we get saved, and we sit here wondering, God, What's the purpose for my life? I know the what you saved me from, but what's the why? And the why is purpose. God, why was I born? There's an old proverb, an old African proverb that says the two most important days of your life are not the day you're born and the day you die. The two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why you were born. It's important. We need to know our purpose. I remember one Sunday I was sitting in a church like this this morning. Can I get the worship team to come back up and help me? And I began to just think, God, I'm saved, but I don't understand. I don't feel fulfilled. Is there something that you would have for me to do? What can I do, God? I'm not saved to just sit here. I know, I know that you want to use me, and if, if you can use anybody, would you use me? And, and, I, and I didn't have anything. And I just felt like God said, give me your nothing, and I'll turn it into something. And eventually, I'll give you everything. And I remember what that looked like at first for me. What it looked like for me is I, I became a youth pastor. I had nothing to give. And one day, they had no other options, so they said, I guess, Brent, you're the youth pastor now, I guess. We got no one else. And I was like, no, I don't know anything about this. And, and I remember they didn't have any other options, so I did it. And I remember walking into the youth room that first night, and these youth kids didn't even know who I was. I mean, they had, they had had another youth pastor beforehand. They didn't know I was coming. They didn't know I was taking over. They're like, where is our pastor? And who is this guy? He's just bald and standing here staring at us. I didn't know what I was doing. I remember looking out at their judging eyes, and they're shaking their heads like, you ain't going to do this. And, and I didn't know what to do. I'm like, should we sing some songs or something? I don't know. Let's do something. But do you know what? God took my nothing that I laid on the altar and said, I'm going to use it to create something. And he did amazing things in that season of our lives where we laid down our lives and said, God, would you use us to do something? I gave God my nothing. Can I tell you, my basket became so full. 
And he continually, every time I pour out more for him and I say, God, here's nothing. Can you do something with this? He continues to do something new and something more. And he continues all through every season of my life up until this point. I, I knew my what, but in that season I found out my why. And my why is sitting in this room. You know, in that season there's a lot of people that that actually came from that nothing. If there's people here like Amanda, that she came from that season in my life where I had nothing to give, but God used it. And Andrew, her husband, sitting in there, and Courtney, and, and Luis, and there's a lot of people in this room, Casey and Christian, who are in kids' ministry, that became part of what God filled my basket with, these relationships and these kids that loved God. And you know what? I found my why, and all of you sitting in this room, you're part of that. God saved me from a lot of things. That was my what, but my why is so that I could serve him and be a blessing to other people. There's a lot of power in nothing. And I've realized this in public speaking is a lot of times the, a public speaker will, will vary their volume and even leave space in between sentences like that. And you know what it does? It causes the listener to all of a sudden you be on your phone and when you hear a volume shift or, or you hear space, you look up and you think, what is happening? And you lean in. And sometimes I wonder if God allows us to have empty baskets so that we lean in to him. Say, Jesus, I have nothing. Can you give me something? And I just asked this morning if that's you. If, you. if you came in here and you feel like you're running on E and your basket is empty, I want to encourage you, just lean into God and say, God, I believe you can take my nothing and you can use it for something. I heard a, a, past, a story about an evangelist. A pastor shared it. And, and this evangelist, he, he kept feeling the tug of God to go up to this logging camp and, and to preach a revival sermon. And he's battling it for a while, and he thought, you know, I don't know if that's God. And he kept feeling it over and over. So I said, fine, God, I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to preach a sermon on this logging camp. And he went up to this camp, and, and it was strange because he walked into the camp, and there was no one to be found anywhere. And, and so he continued, and he went in the mess hall looking for people, and it was just completely empty. There was no one anywhere in the camp. But he said, God, I, really, I know that you called me here, so I'm going to be obedient. And he went in that mess hall and he preached a sermon to nothing. He preached a sermon the best that he could to nobody. And he went down and just thought, all right, God, I, I'm just believing you can use my nothing. I don't know what it was, why I was there, but about four years later, he was preaching somewhere else and he felt a tap on his shoulder. And they said, are you so-and-so? And he said, yes. And they said, I've been looking for you for four years. And they said, four years ago, you came to a, a logging camp and you preached a sermon to what you thought was an empty mess hall. He said, I, I was out, I was the foreman, and I had to come back to grab an axe, and I heard noise coming from the mess hall, so I came, and I stood outside behind a stack of logs, and I listened to that sermon, and I gave my life to Jesus that day. That day, I went back, and I went out to the, to the rest of the workers, and I told them what God had done, and three or four of them also accepted Jesus that day. All because he said, God, 
there's nothing here, but if you can use nothing, can you make something out of it? And he can. I want to encourage you this morning. Will you stand up to your feet? If you feel like you're here and you got nothing to give to God, if you came here with empty baskets, I just want to ask you to hold an empty basket up to God, but have an open heart. Say, Father, we believe in the name of Jesus that every empty basket, every person that came in here feeling like they had nothing to offer you, God, Lord, if we give you our nothing, we believe that you can turn it into something because you desire to give them everything. They were created with purpose, on purpose, and God, I'm just believing that the season of their life right now is going to be the most fruitful of their life because they're going to get planted around the right people and doing the right things, God, because there's a seed in them with all the information that it needs to fulfill everything you called for them to do. Jesus, we're just a declaring right now a new season over everyone's life in here, a season where they no longer look at what they don't have, but they look at you. You're the God who has everything, Lord. And we lift up and we exalt your name in this place this morning. We worship him for a moment with me before we go and just say, Jesus, I lift up my empty basket with an open heart this morning and say, would you fill it? You know, in the scripture, we see that from the very moment that sin into the world. God began to make a plan to say, you know what? Put it on me. That when Jesus went to the cross, he took all sin and every need that we would experience in this life, and he said, put it on me. I want to speak to somebody in this place who feels like you need a miracle this morning that's too big for God, or you've given up on it and you've lost hope of a dream. I want to tell you God is a God of resurrection. And I believe this morning that he's going to resurrect some things in you. And the people in this place, I know you're here this morning, and the Holy Spirit has been tugging on you and saying it's time to come to Jesus. I know it. I know it because it's the same God who did it for me. And I want to tell you, Jesus is saying that sin that you think is too disgusting or has you too trapped. I know Jesus is saying this morning, put it on me because I have everything that you need to overcome every, every sin and addiction and everything that you've found yourself stuck in. If that's you in this place, I want to ask you right now, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to have anybody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But right now, you felt that tug on your heart, just that, that still small voice inside of you just saying it's time to change some things in my life, and God wants to help you this morning. If you're here, would you raise up your hand right where you're sitting? I want to pray with you. If that's you, if there's some things in your heart, just say, God, I hear you. Nobody looking around. We're not going to embarrass anybody. God wants to change your life this morning, the same way he did with mine, and take that seed that he put in you and help you to fulfill every purpose that he has for your life. I see these hands. You can put them down. Father, will you just pray along with me and and just in your own words, just begin to invite Jesus into your heart and say, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, every hand that was raised and those that your Holy Spirit is speaking to you that didn't raise their hand right now in their heart, they're saying, Jesus, I confess my sins and I put it on you. God, every need in this room, every addiction in this room, we just take authority over right now. Like, like Amanda was saying, we say, sit down, devil. You have no authority and no place in my life anymore. You stay seated because the God of the world, the God of the resurrection is resurrecting some life in, 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 my, in my heart right now. And God, every seed in this place I'm beginning is going to experience the most fruitful season of their life. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle, I want to invite you up because the same God who broke bread and did miracles through it, I want you to know he's here this morning and he can do a miracle in your life. If you have a need, come on up. We're going to have the prayer teams up here to pray for you. If you need to slip out, you can go ahead and do that. God bless you. Have an awesome week. If you're visiting, please fill out a connection card in the seat in front of you and drop it off at the Welcome Center.